Carolina, you're watching My Fellow Americans with your host, Spike Cohen. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I'm clapping for you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Clap for if you believe. How would we know you believe if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome to My Fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. Thank you so much for joining me on this special Wholesome Sabbath episode, this Shabbat episode, on this Friday, February the the 8th. It is February February the 8th. Thank you for joining me. Uh, and also, this is a very special episode. I'm finally back from my one-week uh, stint in Facebook jail. It's a hard life out there, but I made it, and I'm back, and I'm very happy and grateful to have you here with me, Spike Cohen. This is a Muddied Waters Media production. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, on YouTube, we're on Instagram, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Twitter, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Google Play, we are on uh, pretty much anywhere that you can find podcasts or people who share stupid memes. We are on there, Muddied Waters Media, the Muddied Waters of Freedom, my fellow Americans, come check us out. Uh, As always, I would like to thank Kroger for this delicious, purified drinking water that I drink on this and every episode of My Fellow Americans. Bulavanaka, thank you so much. The intro and outro music to this and every episode of My Fellow Americans is from the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That is J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on Facebook, on SoundCloud. Go to his Bandcamp. There's a website called Bandcamp. I think it's like joedavi.bandcamp.com, something like that. Go check him out on his Bandcamp. Buy all of his music. It's not expensive. You'll spend like 10 bucks. It's really good music. Be sure to do that. Mr. Joe Davi, thank you again. Shout out to Tehran Turks, his mom and him as always. Guys, my guest tonight is a real up-and-comer in the world of political activism and punditry. Uh, I, as all as the consummate opportunist, am, am getting in on the ground floor before she really takes off. Uh, I'm really excited to have her on with me. She's the founder and editor-in-chief of the Liberty Cadre. I think I'm saying that right. Cadre? K-C-A-D-R-E? Cadre? of Liberty Cadre, a conservative Christian group. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show the lovely and talented Miss Zynga Johnson. Zynga, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you, Spike. I appreciate it. And thank you for the kind words. Especially oh, you're welcome. What's that? Especially the lovely part. Yes, lovely, talented, beautiful. <laughs> um, so thank you so much. Uh, ever since I first started following you last year, I realized that I needed to give, have you on uh, mostly because you have such a presence in your uh, appearances on uh, on different shows, and because and I, I do think you're a real rising star. Also because you tolerate my um, anarchist propaganda, and I really appreciate you for that. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, guys, be sure, if you're with us, be sure to comment with any questions or thoughts that you have, and uh, Zynga and I will tell you if you are right or wrong. Now, Zynga, 
Um, whenever I have a, a guest on here for the first time, the first thing I ask is, uh, how would you describe your uh, political beliefs? And then how would you say you got there? Was it kind of an aha moment or sort of a gradual evolution from something else? Talk to us about that. I guess I've always been conservative. I uh, just didn't know it. I did okay. have my views on like race. So I, I believe in white privilege, things like that. Um, the white man is keeping us down kind of thing. Um, I never voiced it because I was never in an environment where I had to. Like I didn't go to a four-year school. Uh, I grew up in church. I was raised in a Christian school. So we never talked about things like that. Right. Um, but there was a, a friend of mine. Her name is Becca. She actually writes for um, uh, Liberty Cadre. Post things Facebook that would make me so angry, especially the stuff about race. And then one day I was looking at something Ben Shapiro said, and it just, it ticked me off. And I thought to myself, why am I angry? And so usually if I'm angry about something, it's because whatever is making me angry is the truth. So I started to kind of dive in, uh, look at studies, read up on conservatism, uh, ask questions. A few people in my church are, are big conservatives. So I just asked questions and got curious and then kind of started to form my own philosophy. And now I'm uh, kind of writing and putting my points of views out there. Pretty cool. So uh, if you don't, uh, I was curious, what exactly was it that Ben Shapiro had shared? Was it, it was a racially related thing? Oh, yeah, it was it was one of his speeches at a college, I think. And it was something about um, it was about white privilege. OK. And he said that, like, pretty much there's no such thing. Um, the NBA. I can't remember. He uses this NBA analogy and why he's not in the NBA and how that's not necessarily like uh, discriminatory. But oh, it, it okay. I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't heard it in a while, so I can't remember it fully because that was a few. That was what four years ago, maybe. So it was. It was Ben Shapiro said. Right. Right. So then, and so then, you got into Liberty Cadre. Um, I keep feeling like I'm saying that wrong. I'm, I, I, I'm no, not hundred percent. Is, is, is it cadre? I feel like I'm, you know, it's like a yeah. French word and I'm supposed to be saying it differently. I've heard cadre um, too, but I think that's cad, that's, you know what, that's what it is, is it's cadre instead of cadre. Okay. So you, you found it. So you founded Liberty cadre. How long ago was that? Last February. So it's been about a oh. year. Okay. And so what are your, like, what are your goals and the activism and things that you want to see with Liberty cadre? Um, I want to hire. I like the idea of CRTV now Blaze TV, and I just I like giving really smart friends um, that, that put their ideas out, and uh, they talk to me, and I say, why well, why don't we create a platform for these people to put their ideas out there, outlet, if you will. Right. And so, um, that's kind of what I want to do. I want to create like content where people can come and they can we can laugh at liberalism and uh we can be philosophically sound have a christian slant so they can they can get that as well so i want is really what i want, want activism i want to make it so that conservatives are serving the community we get people to vote republican all the time and i think i think that's probably a flaw in the Republican. we want people's votes but we don't necessarily want to serve them when it's not voting season Hmm. Now, do you think that's something that's unique to Republicans or do you think that's just sort of partisans in general where it's like, vote for us, vote for us. And then when it's over, it's like, all right, we'll see you in two years. 
I, I have never been involved in anything Democrat, uh, so I can't I can't say whether or not that it's like that. But I do know that's a Republican thing, okay. especially when Fair it comes right. to minorities. They feel like, oh, we don't know what to say, we don't know what to do. If we could just just get this one black token, they can speak for us. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think people just want to know that you care, and uh, if you can get them one on one or talk to them where they are, then you'll get them to vote. But I don't I don't think that competes. <laughs> Republicans. No, and I, I've I've noticed that because I I mean I wasn't always an anarchist. Um, I actually was a conservative uh, uh conservative Republican, and so I remember you know people having those conversations about you know why can't we get black votes? And I'm like, you're completely unrelatable to most black people, and 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 finding a 50 to 70 year old black man or woman or whatever, finding a a black baby boomer to basically tell them the same thing you're telling them is not going to that's not the the magic uh, uh and it's not an age thing but like literally if you find a black guy for example who just goes to them and says well pull your pants up and you know start talking better and you know and and you know work really hard or whatever you know that's not necessarily going to hit them just because it's a black person like that that's not the issue is 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 yeah. and, and and it's not to say it's all you know uh default of messaging but but if you go in with the same uh, the same message, but with a black, uh, uh, and not a black face, but a black face in front of a yeah. black person saying it, that's not going to instantly be the, the you know, the instant success. It does not work. They tried, <laughs> and it doesn't work. They, they keep think it will, they still think it will. And I'm like, that's, that's not how this works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So with, um, so, and, and you actually had brought this up where you were talking about uh, the Blexit movement. Um, and, uh, the, this movement of, of, uh, of black people. And I guess there's Latino version of exit and the gay version of exit. And, of, you know, there's like a bunch of different ones where they're kind of playing off the idea of Brexit, where they're saying, you know, yes, we're for Blexit. It's, it's, you know, yes, we're black. Uh, but you know, just cause we're black, we're not Democrat. And, and you, you had talked about, you had actually written a piece about Blexit and identity politics. And, uh, that was something I found very interesting was the idea that, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but part of what you were saying was it's all fine and good that now you're voting Republican, but if you were bringing essentially the same mindset and concepts and just now you're voting Republican, that doesn't really change anything. Am I right or did I, did I miss something there? Kind of. I just think that identity politics sucks. Um, and then you have on the, on the, the left, they start to eat each other alive. So for example... Remember the the pink hats those women were wearing during the the march. Mm-hmm. Well, the next time the march came around, at this time the transgender movement had boomed, and then it was like, oh, we can't wear the the pink hats because all women don't have vaginas, and then all women don't have pink ones. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So they had they were women were taking off the hats in shame because they wanted to appease the other uh, the other groups, right. and so. I'm a little bit nervous about bringing identity politics to the right because I'm like, this is what happens down the line in the next generation, or maybe even in this generation, are the black conservatives are going to be mad at the white conservatives, they're going to be mad at the Latino conservatives, are, and then going to be mad at the gay conservatives. Right, like, right. If we're not supposed, conservatism, when I came into the movement, is not supposed to be uh, the side where we separate each other up by what we look like supposed to be oh we have the same ideology or we we believe the same things we have the same principles let's work together 
So that's why I think it's so dumb. And and a lot of people argue with me about it um, on Facebook, a lot of conservatives. But I always ask the question that they can't answer. I'm saying, well, what is the fruit of this? Like if you, you plant a seed, you plant an apple seed, you're not going to get um, oranges. You know, you're going to get an apple seed. So, or you're right. going to get an apple. So if we plant the same seed as the, the left, or do we think we're going to get different fruit because we're conservative and we're different? Um, and no one's able to answer that question. And so I'm not convinced that identity politics is good for us. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Part, part of the reason that, and, and again, this is, this is me with my, my subtle, not so subtle anarchist propaganda. One, one of the things with any kind of democratic system, and I, I know this is a Republican, not a democracy, but any system where you choose leaders and policies based on popular vote or who gets the most votes, um, there is a, you have to create voting blocks, right? So like in order for me, you could have the best idea on earth. Um, but if you can't get at least, if you can't get more people to vote for you than for anyone else, or if you can't get at least, you know, 50% plus one, or, you know, in a, in a uh, presidential election, get the majority of the state's voters, uh, you know, that, the, uh, you know, win the majority of the states and all of that, How, however it works, if you don't get enough people to vote for you, you lose. The easiest way to appeal to getting voting blocks is appealing to someone's most base uh, uh, concept. So even if someone doesn't know anything about politics, if I say to them, hey, look, uh, I'm also a Jew or hey, look, I'm also white or hey, look, I'm also from the South or hey, look, I'm into the same things you are. It's it, it especially for someone that isn't as politically um, knowledgeable. It's easier for me to appeal to them than someone who may uh have a, a, a an idea that they like better than than what I'm saying, but they're completely different. They're they're not relatable to that person, and so um and there is an I within part of the Republican Party, or at least I guess the 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 far right uh, or or alt right part of the Republican Party, there is identity politics. It's the original American identity politics, which is you know we're white and we want to keep it that we want to keep this space uh, white, but, but I don't think that's the majority of the Republican party. The democratic party is built on this kind of intersectional idea of um, we have, we are a group of groups and um, you know, this group gets this level of, of treatment and this group gets this level of treatment. What's difficult. And I, I, I'm interested to see if you agree with me on this with conservatism is that real like constitutional conservatism or, 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 or paleo conservatism, if, if you want to call it that is based on, um, we don't really care what color you are. Uh, this is our idea, and it's a uh, it's it, it may not be the sexiest idea out there, but it's our our idea of how a government should be run, and it really doesn't matter what you look like. So that doesn't it you have a challenge that it doesn't appeal as much as say as saying excuse me, you know I'm black, you're black too, or you know I'm white, you're white too, or you know we're both Hispanic, you should vote for me. Mm, I, I think so. But I also think that liberty is attractive to everyone. Right. And if you can, as a candidate or um, as a person working for a candidate, if you could somehow shape that message of liberty to people who aren't as politically knowledgeable, you can put it as a, in as simple terms as possible. Uh, I think it's attractive to everyone. And so I, I don't think that um, Republicans and, and um right-leaning candidates harp on that enough i think i think there i think a lot of republicans are too busy trying to convince folks that they're not racist 
instead of just saying, hey, this is what I want. I want liberty for everybody, you know? And they have to shape the message somehow or else they're going to continue to be on the defense. We got to get on the offense or right. else we continue to, to lose that battle because that is attractive, I guess. Like I voted for Obama the first time. He had major swag. He played basketball with the Tar Heels. Right. Um, I thought he was so cool and I didn't know anything about politics. So yeah, I voted for him. Right. Um, time I, I, I started to learn a little bit more in between the first time he ran and the second time, but I mean, he was cool, so I voted for him. And so it kind of works, but I think liberty works as well. So we got to get some cool liberty-minded candidates <laughs> or else we'll continue to lose. Yeah, it's interesting with Obama. There were people who voted for him because he was cool. There were people that voted for him. Well, there were people that voted for him because they agreed with his politics or because they were Democrats mm -hmm. and he was a Democrat. But there were also people that the reason he won, I think, in such a landslide in 08 is because he was young, he was cool, and he was he was black. And that appealed to to a lot of black voters who were like, This is our first this is our chance to have a, a black president. It also appealed to a lot of non black people who liked the idea that, you know, we had it would have it would show that we've moved past you know, a lot of bad historical right. things that we have a black or even half black president, someone who identifies as black and, and who is appealing to the black community to have that as a president. I, I knew a lot of people that voted for McCain, but were still happy that Obama won or they were OK with Obama winning because they were like, well, at least this helps us turn a page or or it shows how far we've come or something like that. So I, I get the appeal of that. I think it was very disheartening uh, to a lot of people who thought this would be not just a face change, but an actual uh, you know, uh, change in how things are done. And he pretty much came in and continued the uh, endless war, endless debt spending, endless taxation policies that uh, that the uh, you know every other milk toast Republican and Democrat candidate before him. So now, now you, I mean, you were, I mean, you're you're young now. So I, I would imagine eleven years ago you were young, young. So, um, so you just didn't at that time. You just didn't really follow politics, or no? I thought I was going to the WNBA or playing overseas. That's all I cared about. I, oh, okay. I didn't I didn't know anything about politics at all. That's funny. So. Um, so with, what would you say are the most important things to, and, and this can be applied because I mean, uh, the people that watch this show span everything from, um, anarchists to, um, uh, to, you know, libertarian party members to, uh, you know, liberty, liberty leaning Republicans, which I think probably is where you would, where you would fit to, you know, hardcore conservatives. We've even got a few progressives and like my friends and family members who were trying to figure out, um, what my problem is. Um, but the, uh, uh, so, but the, the, so it, it spans a large group of people. What would you say to people who are trying to, um, spread their message outside of, their core group so this would apply to libertarianism too a lot because that's a very white heavy uh group of people um it's very white male centric not because it appeals only to white males it just it is what it is what would you say to them to be able to outreach to other people without it becoming this pedantic hey fellow uh you know fellow black person i you know i'm also into this thing or whatever and and to also make it where they don't come in and 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 bring this like you were saying bring in this this identity uh the, the, you know they came in because well i'm black and it seems like black people should be libertarian or black people should be conservative how do you how would you say to, to bring them in without avoiding that or with avoiding that um i think the one-on-one -on -one thing is is important if i hate to say it like this if you could single out one promising 
candidate and then kind of get that one person in. Like, like let's say it's you and I, you were trying to bring me into the anarchist fold. As I do, yes. Yeah, you would talk to me, we'd have lunch, we'd have coffee, um, you would send me articles, you'd probably try to play basketball with me, like, let's hang out. Like, when I think about how the gospel was spread, like, it would be, less like, over meals and things like that. And, yes, someone preached. So I think maybe some kind of social media presence is important. But, like, show yourself as a human. Don't go in looking for anything necessarily. Right. Like, and, and then get into their world, I think, and then kind of bring it up here and there. Um, I mean, that's the only way I can think of it. I just I don't think that trying to recruit people, recruit people, is right. going to work. It's got to be some kind of relational aspect going on or else they'll know. Everyone, everyone can call out, you know, crap and they can tell you want something from me. If you don't oh, want they something can spot from fake. Me, yeah. 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 You just want relationship. They're like, OK, cool. So I think that's probably it, it's it's not as sexy and it's not as quick. That's probably the best way, I think. Yeah, I, it's, it's interesting because that's. I've had a few messaging experts and a few recruitment experts and, and people that actually um, uh, some people that that for different parties, both the Republican Liberty Caucus and the Libertarian Party, who their their job is to help recruit people. And they pretty much said exactly what you just said, which is, you know, you have to form relationships with people because people uh, have an innate, especially people that aren't as politically involved. They aren't as worried about this, you know, systemized ideology that you're bringing to them they're more concerned about a sort of an innate sense not even an, an emotional sense but a real like instinctual innate sense of is this person just coming because they want something from me or or you know are they do they actually like want to know what i want and want to help me with that and want to work together with me and it sounds like you're kind of saying the same thing there um i wanted to talk well, to you like about church. go ahead it's kind of like church like you want to um spread the gospel and right. you want to, you know, get people to love Jesus. You don't keep inviting them to church, especially <laughs> if they didn't grow up in it. Right. And you're going to find out or they're going to be like, this person just wants members for the tithing for the pastor. Like, that's how people really think. And so what do you do? You go to their house. You play with their kids. You bring meals by. When they're sick, you call them. Do you need soup? Like, you do that kind of thing and serve them. And then they'll come around to trusting you. So it's the same concept. Right. Right. Yeah. And and so, and it's interesting you bring that up because one thing I've noticed, I, I grew up in the, in the deep South, I'm in Myrtle beach area of South Carolina. So it's very church heavy here. There's a lot of Christians here. And one thing I've noticed is, so it's Sunday church is out and you have large groups of mostly people. I mean, there's, there's everything from little kids all the way up to very old people, but I would say the core groups, especially that go out to like, you know, uh, you know, Ryan's or, or Sizzler or whatever afterwards, they're, you know, they're, they're people in their, say, late 40s to late 60s. And they're, kind of, I guess, baby boomers. And they go, they go out and they're, they're going to these different restaurants. And I've also worked in the service industry. And the people that have to work Sunday shifts in the service industry say, watch out, here come the Christians to not tip us. And, and these are people that are working on a Sunday. They don't go to church. And their experience with, with Christians, people that identify as Christians, is that they are not giving, they're not tipping, or they're not tipping very well. They're difficult. They, they're the most difficult table they have. And then if they give them anything, they'll give them those little prayer cards. So, you know, you think you got money, and instead it says, I'm praying for you. 
uh, you know, yeah. and it has a, a verse about, about, you know, from the new Testament, and then it has, you know, the, the information to the church or, you know, to, you know, sign up to, you know, listen to the pastor's, uh, uh, you know, sermon or whatever. And it's like, great job in associating your church with difficulty <laughs> and stinginess, not just your faith, but your specific church. You just said, I'm not going to give you any money for the service you just did. So you just made $2 for this hour or two thirty, or whatever, whatever, $3, whatever it is now you just made, you know, nothing. Uh, uh, you just n- had a net loss of money working with me. And now here's the name and address of the church that is responsible for this behavior that just happened. Um, and, and I've heard other Christians say like, if we're going to be Christian, we can't just be Christian at church and pretend to love each other and then like fight each other to get out of the, uh, out of the, um, you know, out of the parking lot and, you know, flip each other off or whatever, driving down the road to get to, uh, you know, to get to Shoney's or whatever, and then show out there and, and not leave a tip. Like we're not, this isn't evangelism. This isn't very good evangelism. Um, and it sounds like you're applying those same things to the political spectrum. You can't be a great conservative or great libertarian or great great democrat great whatever to each other at your meetings and then go out to the world and be a jerk to everyone and then hand them your candidates uh uh or just smile in their face long enough to hand them your your candidates uh you know uh, or your your you know some uh, uh referendum you're trying to pass or whatever and hand them that and go now vote for this that's not going to work right mm-hmm. i agree i agree 100 percent. and don't invite them to a, a political meeting too like you should come on out yeah. meeting we're having. Like, first of all, it's boring to everyone who's not politically active and some, some folks who are politically active. So don't automatically want something from them. And you know what? I've, I've worked in the service industry too, and that is completely true about Christians on Sunday. It's, it's sad, but it's true. It's, I, I'm it's, in it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the Bible belt and people come in and they don't tip or, and, and they, they make it terrible for the server because like I have a friend who um, was a server and she was working on Sunday and a bunch of people came in they sat down they look at her in the face and they say we're about to work you so she thinks she's getting a nice tip at the end she got barely nothing like come on guys and we know you just came from church (laughs) that's yeah and that's no and that's terrible (laughs) like I mean so Judaism is a is a religion of like we don't believe what you believe. Okay, that's fine. Like that, there's no, um, it, it's just the opposite. Not only is there no uh, compulsion to evangelize, it's just the opposite. If someone comes in and it's like, why? Why do you want to come in? Why do you want this? This is not. You don't want this. Like, are you, here's here's all the stuff you have to do. You sure you still want this? Whereas with Christianity, it's very much like we have this message. We want to save you from eternal damnation. We love you so much that we want to save you from that. Which, by the way, if you lead with that, that's another great thing not to lead with. Um, because that that's, you know, to, to go, <laughs> you know, I see people's zeal and passion. They're like, I'm trying to save you from hell. It's like, okay, a couple notches. Like, you know, it, 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 you, can't, you can't come at them like that. But you're saying, you're, you know, the message is, I want to save you from hell. Uh, you know, Christ has, has died and presented with you this way to, you know, repent of your sins and be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and the whole thing. And, and, and I really want that for you. Now watch as I show you how big of a jerk I am and like how, or, or even if I'm not a, uh, a remarkably jerkish, I'm no different than anyone else out there, but I'm, you know, who you also don't really trust. Um, but I'm going to, but then I'm going to tell you how great I am and how you could have this too. And it's like, well, I don't know that I would want that. So, but you said this, you know, same thing with politics. 
uh, hey, I'm like every other person you know out there, but also I'm really annoying about how much I want you to vote for Donald Trump or 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 uh, Kamala Harris or whatever. And and so mm-hmm. and so and I'm going to really give you a hard time about it. And especially the Dems now, I'm I'm convinced Donald Trump's going to win re-election just because um, they are equating people who are even curious about what Trump has to say. Um, or even sympathetic with people who support him as being like clan members. And then they say, now vote for my candidate. And it's like, no, I, I don't think I want anything to do with your candidate. So um, right. <laughs> I, I want to, this is a good chance for us before I, I have some more questions to ask you, but let me go through the, through the comments here and see if there's anything here. A lot of people saying hi to you. Um, and uh, uh, Tom Arnold said, thank you. Let's look at the character of the individual again. Tom Arnold, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know him, he is a perfect example. He's a he's in the Libertarian Party of Tennessee, um, and he is a perfect example of what we're talking about, of being, if you meet Tom Arnold, you're more likely to vote Libertarian just because of Tom Arnold, even if he doesn't tell you anything about it. Um, uh, Harvey West says, uh, I have been involved in the Republican Party for a long time. I've never seen that aspect of the so-called alt-right. Um, so, Harvey, that's an interesting thing. Um, the alt-right is sort of outside of Republican Party circles. They are people who have decided that the Republican Party is their best, uh, most likely way of achieving the goals they want. So they, 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 uh, they'll vote for Donald Trump. They'll vote for this candidate or that candidate. It's going to be hard to see them, to spot them at a, at, a, at a Republican Party meeting. In fact, before I go to the next comment, have you, so you've been involved with the Republican Party for a little bit now. Have you seen... Um, and not necessarily in droves or anything else. Have you seen within your circles or within the Republican Party circles uh, uh, people that would that you would identify with alt right or identitarian type people, or, or do you kind of agree with me that they're sort of outside of it and, and they're sort of outsiders that have kind of uh, co opted parts of the party? If they are alt right, they have not told me. Okay. I have not run into one. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, that's been my experience. Is that it's they're they're like a separate entity. That they're, they're not they're not worried about like joining the party or I mean, they may be party members or whatever, but they're not interested in being active in party politics. They'll just if they see someone that identifies with what they agree with, they'll vote for them. Perfect example: um, uh, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who is a Democrat, uh, is running for president, and uh, David Duke endorsed her. Um, I can assure you Tulsi Gabbard wants nothing to do with David Duke and there aren't any alt-right people in her in her campaign, but there are going to be people right. that vote for her entirely because of her policies regarding war and, and, and Israel. She's not even white. Um, so let me see. Some more people that said hi to you and said how awesome you are. Um, and, what's that? I said thank you. You're welcome. Um, well, I guess you're <laughs> welcome from them. Um, why are Christians so cheap in the South? Jacob LaBelle asked. That's what we're talking about. It's, it is, it is a big problem. I think it's more of an age thing than, than a, a, a religion thing. I think a lot of times if you get people in their, in their sixties and stuff like that, they're just going to like, that's just that mentality of like, of, of being that way. And, and I think there's kind of a Scots, Scots Irish tradition, tradition that's in the South as well about being cheap in general. I, that's my theory. Um, do you have a theory about that? Cause I mean, like I said, I, Go ahead. Yeah, I think they compartmentalize. Well, I think you hit on it, where there are Christians at the church, and then they go to the restaurant, and they're no longer a Christian. <laughs> no longer a Christian. That's that's a stretch. But right, it's like it's like when I'm in this setting, they have this 
fixed mindset, so they think that way and they and they they act that way. And then when they're in this setting, they their mindset is different, so they don't right. think that way. Right. That's the only thing I can come up with. I I don't know. I really don't. I I'm not rich, but I try to tip as well as I can because I've lived off of tips before, and I well I still do. So I try to tip well. Um, I find that um, yeah, I find the same thing. Uh, and the only way you can tell is on Sunday, right? If they're Christian or not, and they just don't tip well. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. I and I think I I think it's that's also part of it is that a lot of other groups don't necessarily come in hard in like large groups of like we're this or whatever. So you may not know that you know the Jew or the Muslim or the or the just agnostic general atheist whatever uh, is just as bad but they're not coming in like I'm an atheist and you know so you're not making that uh, identification which is why it's even more important if you're coming in hard and heavy like I'm a Christian then give someone a reason to think you're different than everyone else that's in there and whatever your faith is or your ideology or whatever if you're trying to make a good show for team whatever you are then like act like something someone would want to be around um so uh yeah no tips are never where i'm trying to save my two dollars like if i need to save six dollars i'll save it there's probably somewhere else i can save six dollars than to this person that i just ran around in circles with my you know telling them all the things i need and all of that stuff um so uh i wanted to talk with you about a little bit of a historical thing so something that we and we were talking about appealing to um uh, minority voters or people that don't traditionally vote republican something that uh, a lot of Republicans will say, um, and they'll think when they say it, everyone just melts away and goes, oh my gosh, I can't believe I haven't been voting Republican. They'll say, hey, did you know that the Republican Party was the party that ended slavery? Uh, or they'll say, hey, did you know that the first, all of the first, uh, you know, black uh, representatives and politicians that got elected were all as Republicans? And then they'll bring up that, uh, you know, that, that you know, the, the governors uh, that were part of the uh, you know, the, the, the post, uh, well, the, the, the governors that, that got involved in the secession movement to start the Confederacy were all Democrats. The governors that did the, um, uh, it, once the, the civil war ended and slave, the slaves were freed, it was the Democrat governors that were pushing all of the, uh, Jim Crow laws and all of that stuff, uh, all the way up until the, the end when it was actually the Dixiecrats that were, you know, part of the Democratic Party that were fighting to stop the integration of the, the South and things like that. And you'll say that to someone and they'll say, I, I don't care about that. Or they'll say, I didn't know that, but that's not relevant to me. How relevant do you think that just specifically that history is when you're trying to talk to people about you know about for example you're 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 trying to get people to vote republican is that even something that you you mention or is that something that comes up later or how how much does that factor into your activism and messaging it depends on who i'm talking to okay um if someone brings up something in history like if, if I'm talking to a pro-black person and they bring up something, whatever it is, and then I'll say something like, I'll talk about abortion. Like if you're pro-black, you certainly you know that it's mainly black babies. Like more, more black babies are aborted than born. Right, right. You did? Oh, okay. Like, oh, did you know that it came from a woman named Margaret Sanger? Like I'll go like that mm -hmm. and go down the history. I'm sure your viewers are prob probably already know the history. It depends on who I'm talking to, but also I don't see a lot of people who will talk about uh, the history of the Democratic Party 
for the Republican Party, I don't see them parallel it to today. So for instance, I was um, reading on Ida B. Wells and how she was just, she wrote, she was a journalist and she was constantly writing about how these black men were getting lynched. And the reason, a lot of the reason why they were getting lynched is because some uh, white lady would say, oh, he sexually assaulted me or he raped me or he whistled out at me or whatever. Right, and that right. would be a good thing for all of the, the white men to gather and, and lynch him. And now we have them kind of doing the same thing where they're like, oh, sexual assault, he looked at me. He said something to me. And I'm like, you guys don't see how people are getting like crucified socially and they're kind of doing the same thing that they did to the men before. So I, I, I try to kind of parallel it that way. I don't think it has a lot of bearing on people who don't know or people who don't even think about the history at all. Right, so I, right. Like I said, it depends on who you're talking to. Right. So one of my uh, more recent bans was as a result of my saying that the history of feminism is largely a history of white women accusing people of doing things to them without any proof. And um, that uh, that got me some new friends. And um, I had to use my the account, the other account that I don't ever name uh, publicly. Um, but the, 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 the that got me having to use that one for a little bit. But yeah, no, I mean, it's it's it, there's definitely some historical parallels there where it's like, OK, I said this thing um, and you sort of have to believe me because of my status or my. Um, uh, yeah, I guess status, you know, what what where I should rank in society, the fact that I've said this should not require any kind of proof or anything else and this person's life should be should be destroyed so it's and it's interesting you mentioned the the abortion thing too um i still consider myself pro-life as, as an anarchist my concept of how that should be handled is obviously a lot different than someone who believes that there should be a, a, a governmental structure in life um but uh but i still do consider consider myself pro-life because i think that my, my ideology is based on property rights and self-ownership and if you are a baby, um, and, and I, I'm not even going to get into talking about like a zygote or, you know, a, a um, you know, something that was just fertilized or something. If we're, if we're talking, you know, something that we can, we can really identify as a baby, you know, like a, 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 a you know, a week before or a day before being uh, birthed, this is a child that if, if an emergency C-section had to be performed, you have a completely viable baby here. Um, in that kind yeah. of a situation, if if we believe that that there's self ownership, if we believe that in anything related to human rights or anything else, I, I'm I'm I, I don't see the reason to say that um, this whatever you want to call it, fetus, baby, person, whatever, uh, wouldn't have those rights. And and there's obviously we have to be sensitive to the fact that there's a, a mother that this thing is attached to as well, or this person is attached to as well, but. This person's the the in my mind at least at that point the mother's uh, convenience, quality of life, things like that would have to fall back to the actual existence of of this other uh, this other person. But it's interesting that historically, at least in the in in the U.S., that was that original push for abortion was originally pushed by people who said, well, not abortion for white people. Or not abortion for high-born white people, but abortion for blacks, Jews, uh, Slavs, you know, people of Eastern European descent. Back when, back when there was a much more strict definition of what white meant than now. Um, but you know, uh, you know, Irish people, like you know, the, the lesser people, us, you know, Aryan and uh, um, uh, you know, uh, Anglo-Saxon white people, not for us, 
but for them. And that that was kind of pushed as a, as a policy of making sure that America remained uh, white and that these lesser people, these people that, you know, according to eugenics were, you know, in, genetically inferior um, that, to keep their populations under control. Mm-hmm. So then so you cut out what, what, what was your question? Oh, uh, actually, I, well, I, it was less of a question. Well, no, I guess it was kind of a question. So I guess my question mm-hmm. would be how receptive. So when you talk to people about that, uh, how receptive would you say that uh, in gen- compared to other messages is, do you get reception or do people kind of say, you know, I don't care about that. Uh, they never say they don't care because basically if you're talking to pro-black people and then you point out how not pro-black they are, if they're <laughs> pro-choice or if they right. vote for Democrats or even Christians who, who justify, you know, the reason why they vote for, they vote left um, or they're liberal. They never come right out and say, oh, I don't care. It's always more of like, a well, you know, no answer. Like an equivocation, or right, right. It's like, oh, okay, stay back away. So if I'm on the internet, they won't respond. They just don't respond, person, right, right. Yeah, in person, it's more of like a slow backing away, like, well, you know. And I'm like, you no, know, because you, you can't justify that because now you have two philosophies that are conflicting. And right. I think when that happens, it kind of rattles you. It rattles all of us. Like, you know, you have these thoughts that are like, um, oh, they don't agree. You're like, oh, I, I have to reevaluate. The problem is, is that most people don't go back and reevaluate. No, they don't. Right. So that's actually the thing. I don't, I don't know if you know this or not. And for, for those of my audience that know this, uh, you probably do know this. So that thing you just described when, when two things, two beliefs that someone has, especially the, when they hold them very closely, when they are made to experience the fact that those things completely uh, contradict one another and that therefore they have to drop one or drop the other or completely come up with something else. They experience a distress and that distress is called cognitive dissonance. And so all of the, um, and it's basically, it's a big word for when someone, especially people who don't think about this a lot. So if someone, for example, says I'm pro-choice because I think the mother, you know, uh, you know, uh, I don't have a vagina, so I shouldn't be able to decide that for them or whatever. And, but then they also say, you know, I know, I know, I know. Um, uh, uh, but, but they'll say that, uh, I, I very early on as a kid would say, well, you know, as a teenager or whatever, be like, well, I don't, you know, I'm not a woman. What do I know? Um, but so they'll say that, but then they'll also say, you know, I'm pro-black or I, you know, I'm a black nationalist or something like that. And when you, when you force them to, or not force them, but when you have them experience, they, they, they realize that those things, it's one or the other, they experience something that now they either have to attack you or they have to, uh, change the subject or equivocate, or like you said, on social media, just not comment or, you know, not respond or, or block you or unfriend you or whatever, unfollow the conversation or whatever. Very rarely do people in those immediate circumstances, it takes a very um, intellectually honest person and someone who actually is interested in growing in their knowledge rather than being right. Very rarely does that person in that very moment say, oh, wow, you've given me something to think about. I might be wrong and you might be right. Um, and mm-hmm. so, which is why, and, and, and you know, when I became an anarchist, I was like, and I just drop stuff on them and be like, and this is why you're wrong. And I, and when they would experience exactly what I experienced when people first said that to me, I'm like, you jerk, I can't believe that you're not experiencing, you know, that you're not agreeing with me. And then I had to kind of drop back and I'm like, 
you were where this person was. You were the one telling them they hate America and that they just want the Muslims to take over, the Mexicans to take over, whatever, whatever I would say to them. You know, you were the, you were that guy. So, you know, why are you giving them a hard time for it too? So it'd be the same thing with you, right? Like if they're, if you're telling someone something and their first, uh, expo- their first uh, experiences to maybe pull away or to, to, to push back a little bit, that's kind of a natural thing, right? Like you don't expect them to just be like, oh man, where do I register to vote for Trump? Right? Like it, there's, there's a process there. <laughs> right. Um, right. <laughs> no, you know, I love talking like this. I love right. challenging conversations because I've been putting my ideas out there more and more. People are running into videos and articles and stuff. And so I get these mm. messages on Twitter and sometimes people telling me I'm wrong. And I always go back and think about it. And unless it's about abortion, or the Lord, I always say, hmm, let me think about that for a second. Sometimes right. I'm like, oh, you got a point. And then I'll ask a question. And so we have this dialogue where I'm asking questions because I really want to know what you think. But people don't want to know what you think anymore. They'd rather call you names. Like I've, I've been told I'm self-loathing. I've been told that I'm, I vote Republican because I want to get into it with white people. I've been told, oh, you're such a beautiful girl. It's a shame that you're conservative. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> so it's always like, it's always something, there's something fundamentally wrong with you because of the way that you think. Instead of just right. saying, interesting, I never thought about it that way. Right. We, we attack one another. And I, I try not to attack people, especially on like superficial stuff. Well, you're ugly or something like that. But Oh, yeah, I that's just, yeah, there's no point to that. Yeah, that's just stupid. Yeah. So, so, yeah, it couldn't possibly be that you just have a mind of your own and have your own set of thoughts and believe you, you clearly you're just trying to get a white man or something like that. Um, so it's, oh, yeah. uh, so <laughs> what's that? I've been told that as well. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure I've seen. So I've said, and I've said this before in any, if you take any type of person and their politics, so a white conservative, a black liberal, a Mexican libertarian, an Asian anarchist, a Jewish Republican, whatever. If you take any combination of identity and political belief, in my opinion, and I'm not a conservative, uh, in my opinion, I think that black conservatives ha- get it harder than anyone else. And it's why I have an, a, 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 a sympathy is the wrong word, because I, I, I don't feel sorry for you. But I have, an em- I guess, an empathy for the fact that, um, so when I, when I went from being, uh, you know, conservative to more of a libertarian, people were People would ask me questions or disagree with me, or when I went to full-on anarchist, you know, people say I'm nuts or whatever, and that's fine. Um, I am a little, um, but the at, I don't believe at any point anyone has ever been like, you have sold out the Jewish people. I I don't believe so. Maybe I'm maybe I'm, I've had a few people that have said, well, you know, how could you not support Israel? And I'm like, because I don't support any government. But that's really, I, I've never really had someone who's like, well, you want the the Holocaust to happen again or something like that. I routinely see black people who will give a right of center opinion on something like immigration or, and, and that's something I wouldn't even agree with you on, but, it, you know, something like immigrate, and it won't even be the full on build the wall and kick them all out thing. It'll be something like, uh, you know, we need to find a way to process the people that are here illegally, but then we have to have stronger border security to make sure that, you know, we are, 
you know, keeping out the, the, you know, the bad people or that, you know, we're making sure everyone who comes in is doing it the legal way. A very mainstream right of center opinion on that subject. And it's one I personally disagree on because I don't think the government should do anything except go away. But, but I'm able to have that kind of, you know, you know, have a, have a, uh, a, a reasonable discussion with someone about that. I will watch other, especially black people, and occasionally even white liberals, which I always find hilarious when a white liberal is telling a black person that they're, you know, not being the right black person. Is it? That's anyway. So, but they'll say things like, you know, well, this is how they did our ancestors, you know, and so you're just this is like, you know, you're you're one of the slaves that would be in the house. You're you're a house slave, and they don't they use a different terminology for that. They, uh, yeah. uh, you know, you're you're a house person and uh you know and then they'll you know pull up the malcolm x quote about the the house slave and i'm like and it's me trying to avoid an argument i'm thinking okay but you're here caping for hillary clinton so what what does that make like i mean if if we're really going to go into that territory you're caping for someone who uh whose husband locked up more black people than any other president in history so what you know if we're going to go down this you're not black enough route uh, but I'm not the one to have that conversation with someone. So, so I watch in sadness as people rip someone apart for having a relatively mild, if not pro-Trump, but like, oh, you know what? Maybe Trump had a good point on this or, or on taxes or healthcare or whatever. And it's like, if I, as a white person disagree, they'll say, um, they'll either actually argue with me about it or they'll just be very dismissive. Like, well, you're a white guy. You're probably rich, whatever. But if a black person does it, it's like here comes black Twitter to rip the person apart and try to find out, you know, what they do for a living and everything else so that they can destroy their lives. Like, you know, am I wrong? I mean, that that it seems like black conservatives get a special kind of hatred that no one else gets. No, you're not wrong. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other things that have been said to me. Like, I have such a good because of the the liberty cadre blog i have such a good um strong base of conservative friends and like two mentors so they're always reassuring me and and stuff like that otherwise i I don't know if i could stand the heat but they're always like you go girl you're doing the right thing you're saying the right thing they'll get me if i'm about to fall off but people can be vicious on twitter um you know it's always something about uh, me not being black enough or or something like that i'm wrong um the thing i'm trying to get rich somehow i wish it would work it's not working so far. <laughs> um so dumb so yeah I, I never thought about it being more vicious than other people i know this i will not wear a mega hat like first of all i don't like doing what everyone else is doing but right. if i did want to wear a mega hat i will certainly not wear a mega hat because i'm not going to get beat up because it doesn't matter what race you are like no one's off limits and if I wore a MAGA hat, I feel like I would get a mob of angry black liberals that would beat me to a pulp. And I'm just not about that life. And that's unfortunate. So, I mean, look, when I here's again, I'm not a Republican. So when I see the MAGA hat, I have the same reaction that I have to when I see like someone wearing when people used to wear the the or when people still do wear the Obama stuff, the hope, you know, where he's in like a tricolor, his face, the face of Obama. And it says hope and it's like, or change, hope or change. And it's, you know, this, this, you know, the Patriots say Obama of, of tricolor liberalism. And, 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 you know, and I look at it and I'm like, all right. And then I see the MAGA hat and I'm like, okay. And so my, my reaction is usually like, you know, I'll just kind of chuckle to myself or whatever. But I also, 
there's a type of bravery that comes with the MAGA hat in some circles. I mean, if you're down here, like, I mean, where I am, people walk around with MAGA hats and Trump stuff and, and everyone's high, you know, people are high-fiving each other. And if there is a negative reaction to it, you don't see it a lot. So I think it depends on where you are. Um, but, mm-hmm. but I think definitely up north or if you're in a college town or something like that or out west, it's a completely different reaction. And it's like, and I always tell people, so they'll say, well, you know, the, the MAGA hat people, they want this and they want that. And you know who else wanted that is Hitler. And I'll be like, all right, that's a weird comparison. But if we really <laughs> break down what the, and again, this is my anarchist talking. I'm like, if we really break down what Obama did compared to what Trump did, you're going to see it's, it's a matter of variations in, 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 in degrees in policy. There are very few things where it's like this one did this and this one did that. It's like, you know, if this is the center, Obama did you know, Trump did the, uh, I, this is my right is, is the left on this. So, so Trump did this or no, Obama did mm-hmm. this and Trump did that. So if you're saying that this is a, a, a clan, uh, you know, the same thing as a clan hood uh, to wear a MAGA hat, then what, then you, pretty much you would have to say the same thing about any kind of hope and change stuff too. Um, but it's just sad. The idea that you can't like express an opinion. It's one thing to express an opinion like, all black people should die or all Jews should die or all white people should die, you know, something like that. But if you're expressing like, I support this political candidate, it seems like, again, I'm an anarchist. Like I don't agree with any of these people. So if I can tolerate, you know, you having this opinion, it seems like, it seems like kind of sad. Like, I mean, do you have an angry reaction if you see someone wearing an I'm with her hat or an Obama hat or something? No, I really, really don't. I'll laugh because it's funny. Like even bumper right. stickers are, are funny. I did it. I worked with a congressional um, campaign over the summer. So I put his bumper sticker on my mother's car. Uh, it was a magnet so we could take it off. Otherwise I wouldn't have put it on. But all of that stuff is, is funny to me because then you kind of, and then you can kind of look at the person. Like the other day I saw like a Mitt Romney thing and I saw Make America Great Again and like something about Trump on the back of a car and I roll up and it's this, you know this old white guy that was like stereotypes so sometimes it's funny because it'll be a black person with an obama thing or uh you could tell right 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 guy with the hillary clinton so it's funny to me but i don't get angry by any means yeah no i mean it's there'd be no reason to get angry right like i i i um oh did you did you i think i lost you for a second i think i lost you too but I was just saying, having an emotional response that extreme towards a symbol or a few words is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, no, I agree, and I, 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 uh, I, I find it interesting how people react to this stuff. And uh, like I said, anytime I see a black person, they have a bunch of Trump stuff on. I'm like, I think, I am, I have a, I'm saying a prayer for you. Like, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I, there's, I'm sure we could have a great conversation on things we agree and disagree on or whatever, but. I just know how tough you're getting it and that you don't care at all. <laughs> like if you're, if you're truly embracing it, like, man, you, you are brave. You're probably armed too. Um, so I'm definitely not going to give you a hard time, but, uh, so just going through the comments here, uh, let's see where we go. Uh, how do you bring Dems and Republicans together in unity? Uh, asks Sandra Jones. Um, that's actually a good question. Um, I'm going to get your take on that. And then I have an opinion on that. So go ahead. I think, I think the truth has to come out first about things. Um, so if we, we could go back to abortion, like the truth has to, to come out about what it is. I mean, I'm sure you've seen videos where 
folks will go on the street, they'll interview a couple of girls and ask them about whether they're pro-choice or pro, pro-life. And they'll go with pro-choice just because that's more popular. And right. then the person interviewing them will, will either show them pictures or break down what actually happens during abortion. And then they'll right. change them. So I think, you know, you have your side with your talking points, but not a whole lot of truth. It says we're connected again. Okay, so we're connected again, hopefully. Um, and so my thought on the how... Uh, so people bring this up a lot and they'll say like, how can we be united? And, um, so my answer is that you're talking about, so if you're talking, if you're, if you're subdividing us up into the USA, you're talking about 320 uh, million people. If you subdivide us up into even a state, you're talking about anywhere from, I think the, 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 the state with the smallest population is Wyoming, which has something like uh, uh, 700,000 people. And the state with the biggest population is California, which has tens of millions of people. When you're talking about that many people, I don't know that you, there is such a thing as united. Um, there's this concept we're sold on us being united. But, um, if you take a group of 10 people, uh, it's, you're going to be hard pressed to get them to get along on or, or agree on important, important things. Um, and so to extrapolate that out to people of different races, ethnicities, skin colors, backgrounds, nationalities, uh, sexual preferences, genders, ages, uh, uh, life experiences and everything else. I'm not sure that you can have a true this the what we've been sold as the idea of unity. You may be able to get a consensus. Um, and, and again, this is why I'm an anarchist. If all you can get is consensus, then that means everyone else is being forced at gunpoint to do something they don't want to do. All that to say, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to bring, uh, I'm not trying to bring anyone on to, to black pill them into into anarchism. But um, I think the best thing in any democratic system of, of government or a society that's based on democratic voting to pick leadership and and to agree to go by those rules, the best you're going to get is a consensus. And so you just try to build the biggest consensus you can uh, on broad values, and 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 then the, the goal there is to not water it down so much that you're you know don't even know what you're what you're fighting for. So comments, more comments. We got a lot of, you're a popular guest. We have a ton of comments. Um, we've got a lot of people saying you are right. I'm loving this a hundred percent. Correct. Awesome. I assume that's all about me. So thank you. No, I, I actually, a few of those said Z. So I'm pretty sure they were true right about, they were saying that about you. Uh, Michael Turks free 21 Savage every, every day. I, I, uh, have actually, I started a, uh, intermittent fasting, uh, that I'm going to do until 21 Savage is back or until I lose uh, five pounds in my midsection. Whichever happens first, uh, I'm going to continue my, my intermittent fasting until we reach that. Uh, I'm going to stay in ketosis until uh, until 21 is uh, back home in the A where he belongs. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, Sheila said, hey, come back. We're back. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, we, they lost us for like five or six seconds. Um, Fotini Henderson says, I have little hope for reconciliation on truth between Democrats and Republicans based on the political effect of the Democrats. I know truth is partisan for them. And that's, that's the, we all have different ideas of what truth is, even in the abstract. And then when it comes to, um, once you get your partisan bent into it, then it's, it's a, it's a whole other thing. We all agree two plus two is four. I would I, I agree with with my guest with with Zynga that you would think a baby is a human, 
and you will get people that will straight up tell you, no, the baby's not a human until the mother signs off and says, yes, I don't want this baby to die. Then it has rights. Or they'll say, yeah, the baby's a human, but I don't really, you know, like, I don't care. Like, I, I'm, I, the, the adult in that situation uh, should be the one deciding whether it lives or not, lives or not. And the logical conclusion of that is horrifying, right? Like, that's, I mean, the logical conclusion of this adult gets to decide if this adult lives or die based entirely on this or whether this adult gets to decide if this child lives or dies based entirely on the adults um and sometimes convenience or just whether they you know whether and i don't want to say convenience because a lot of times it's very difficult decisions about their life and things like that but Mm -hmm. it's not whether you keep the child or not if you don't want to keep the child you want a place for adoption but to say no i want it to die um, I'd rather it die than experience hardship. It's like it doesn't get much harder in terms of hardship than being decapitated, right? Like I mean, that, that's a, that's a scary that's a scary thing to say, right? Yeah, yeah. I I, 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 I agree I, with you. Yeah, I. I, mean, I, I, I think a part of it is the media. So, for instance, um, can't remember that his name starts with an N. The governor of Virginia, when the the. Oh, that Northam. Of- Northam, yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, that came out about him in blackface, and CNN is saying that he's a Republican. <laughs> and so things like that, like little things, I mean, I guess it's not really little, but just those slight things that, that the media will do and to twist people's words or to straight out lie or to make up scenes, I don't think that helps at all either. But maybe it's easier at a local level to kind of bring Republicans and Democrats together. I mean, I know where I work, Democrats that are in office are always coming in. So you, they're kind of your neighbors. You can, you can see them at the grocery store, maybe something like that. Right, right, right. Your that comment had a good point. That the truth is, is for, for some reason the truth is relative now, which is ridiculous. But it is, and and in the more so, I mean, if you get into something like tax policy. I don't think that anyone can argue. Actually, that's not true. The only objective truth about tax policy is that all taxation is theft and should be ended. Short of that, again, again, this is my anarchist coming out. Uh, Short of that, um, if you're getting into any kind of concept of what the tax rate should be and whether it should be flat or progressive or or, or, you know, whether, uh, you know, what things should be deducted, there are people that will straight up be like, okay, my idea on taxation is the objective truth. And they're talking about that, you know, this should be 32% and this should be 10% and this should be 18% and and this should be fully deducted and this you should only up, deduct up to this point. And I'm like, buddy, objective truths are like the the things that like the universe hinges on. Like the, the, your your opinion on on what the, you know, marginal tax rate should be and things like that. that that's a that's a, a, a that's going to be wide open for for opinion wise and and most I would say most political stuff comes down on the margins of like, you know, should it be like this or should it be like that? Um, part of why I'm, I'm as extreme as I am is because I've kind of embraced these far logical conclusions that I take to be the truth, but I know most people aren't comfortable with that. So we're kind of in, in, in this thing instead. I wanted to talk to you about um, Donald Trump because you are a Republican. Um, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, on a few things. Actually, before that, I want to talk to you about this Ralph Northam thing. Um, and and apparently, and now, because in my notes, I have, I think I mentioned Ralph Northam. Now it's apparently every uh, Virginia person 
uh, every politician in Virginia over the age of, I guess, 40 has done blackface at some point. Um, and, and, uh, 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 because now, so it was the, so, uh, either blackface or they've sexually assaulted someone. It seems to be one or the other. So you, so the, the governor, uh, the governor, uh, uh, either, either was in blackface or in a clan hood. Um, and, and he said, well, no, that first he admitted to it and then said, no, actually I was remembering when I dressed up like Michael Jackson or something like that. And, uh, uh, and then, and then. Uh, so then after that, you've got the lieutenant governor, whose name I forget, who has been accused of sexual assault. Um, and then you've got the person under that, the attorney general did uh, blackface, uh, I believe. And then the then the Republican head of the legislature there in Virginia, I don't know if he did blackface or he was in a... No, no, no. He was in a... a um, uh, what was it? Uh, he was in a, um, his yearbook had it, a, a lynching pictures in it or something like that. So I know like such a whole damn state. Like, I mean, you're like, these people aren't 80 either. They're like younger than my parents. And like, they were joking about, like, really, so I guess my, I'm not even sure what my question is to you on this other than what is your reaction to what is happening? Oh, and then there's someone in Florida that did blackface. Uh, a politician in Florida, like what? What is your? I guess I, I don't even have a question for you. What is your reaction to this? <laughs> it is so hilarious because it's all of these people are such a joke in a way, right? And I know Northam won't resign; like he he refuses. I, I think that the Democrat Party and the Republican Party in these places they have a lot of work to do. Like I'm thinking right. about locally, if someone did that here in Raleigh. I mean, the Republican Party here would like be in an uproar, and I, I hope that the Democrats are scramming right now because, it, at least in Virginia, like the the Virginia Party, because I mean, it is a hot mess, a hot mess. So I I don't even like I don't even really read the stories. I see the headlines because I feel like there's bigger fish to fry. Right, right, right. But man, like when it was like this one guy, you're like, man. That sucks. And then it's another guy and it's another guy. I'm like, good Lord, what is Who going chose on? chose these people? Right, right. Yeah, because when you have a candidate, they the candidates should hire an opposition researcher who's yes. supposed to go back and look and say, you know, this could be a problem for you. So I'm wondering that if they just had really bad opposition researchers or if they found it and said, hey, do you still want to run? Even though you have this picture, they decided to run anyway. But usually if that happens, then they would come up with some kind of story or something that the candidate can say just in case it comes out. Right. And I don't even think Northam did that because he doesn't even have a good story. He apologizes and then he says he didn't do it or vice versa. I'm, I'm like, man, they, they have to clean it up. They got to get it together. And they need, they need to vet their potential candidates a lot better than what they've been doing because that sucks. Or like at all. So, that, I mean, it seems like they didn't vet them at all. So, and this is Virginia, which is somewhat of a swing state. You think they'd have the act together. So people in the past, when people, before I went nuts, when people were like, hey, you should run for office as a Republican or whatever. And I'll even occasionally get people that for some reason think I should run as a libertarian, I guess as a hobby or something like that. And I'm like, and I'll say, listen, I did drugs for like 10 years straight. 
I don't fully remember everything that happened during that time. I don't think I hurt anyone. I, I, I didn't hurt anyone. Like I, I, I was just a, I, I wasn't a bad person or anything like that. I just, I just have some hazy, hazy times, and um, I'm sure people right. could come up with some mildly embarrassing stories. But like, I didn't rape anyone. I didn't murder anyone. I, I, I didn't do blackface. I know even if I was high, I wouldn't have done blackface. Um, I never dressed up as in a clan outfit or as Hitler. I, uh, I, I, I like. And I, I, I've listened to, I see these people, they get elected and I'm like, man, maybe I have a shot because I haven't raped anyone. Like, it seems like the bar is really, yeah. really, really, like we've reached a new low bar. And it, so with Trump, I say he's scandal proof at this point. And the reason is because he has this thing where um, he says incredibly outrageous stuff and then slowly m- moderates it a little. So people already are shocked by this. And then they're like, oh, I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he said that. And he has enough of a, of a core group of people that support him no matter what he says. Um, and then so by the time people are talking about it again, he's like, well, no, what I really meant was this. And this now sounds reasonable because he said this first. And, and in terms of like, well, you know, he did this and he did that. It's like, we've known that for 40 years. Donald Trump has been in the public eye for since the early 80s. Everyone, like people have disliked Trump forever, right? So like it's a, so he's kind of scandal proof. I think some of these other people are thinking, well, if he could do that, I guess I can get away with blackface. No, you can't. Um, and uh, you, you cannot, don't, please don't stop, stop. Like parents, if you're dressing your kids up in blackface, that's going to haunt them forever. Um, I want to ask you this, because this is actually a question, because I, I haven't had a question for a moment other than like, how insane is this um right before the story broke about northam that he was either in blackface or a clan outfit or michael jackson whatever um before that broke he talked about he i guess he was on a radio show and they were asking him about this abortion bill which which failed um that would have made it uh, i guess made it given legal protections and reduced the um reduce the uh threshold for what was required to be able to allow late-term abortions and they brought him on basically to try to not scare people about it and to like make it sound more reasonable and he basically said at one point that a baby could be born and then kept comfortable for a while while the mother and doctors had a conversation about whether to allow it to continue living or not right And then the blackface thing happened. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my question to you is, what does that say about us that the public at large, not pro-life people, not Republicans, not whatever, but like the public at large got more upset about the possibility that he might have put shoe polish on his face. And and I'm not downplaying back blackface. Blackface right. is not like, I mean, it's not, it's one thing to to dress up like Kanye West and put some darkener on your face to be Kanye. Not in the best taste, but it's not blackface. Blackface is what whoever was in that picture did. You're dressing up as a stereotypical Sambo slave with the, with the plaid pants and the straw hat. Like that's no, there's no written in the gloves. And right. like, no, that's not, that's not right. But what does it say about that? People got more upset about the possibility that he may have done that 20 years ago, whatever or no, what, 30 some, 35 years ago, more upset about that than the fact that he was casually discussing the possib- the legalization of 
killing a child that had been born like two days before. You know, when I was saying earlier about we have bigger fish to fry, that was actually what I was thinking about is the, okay. the late time abortion thing. I'm like, I, I honestly, I don't care about his black face. If the folks of Virginia say we do not, we, we no longer want him. He, I mean, he did black face and how can he represent black people if he did that? I can understand that. He's not representing me at all. I don't care. Um, right. But I think it said something about our culture that we so quickly jumped on that and it's still being talked about like i still get facebook notifications of uh of articles written about that and videos oh, talk yeah. talking about that. and the 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 thing he said about abortion comes up only a few times that says a lot about our culture and i think that folks like you and i i know we differ po politically but folks like you and i that notice that type of thing we right. we need to be very I really, really think so. And I'm not trying to be um, like a fear monger or anything like that. But that, that scares me because the way I think is, well, what about the future? If we can so blatant, like just casually talk about murdering a child. Right, um, right. That's, yeah. Abort, abort means to like, that definition doesn't even work in that situation. So I'm like, well, are we going to start uh, knocking off people who, like older people? Are we going to knock off the homeless? Yes, mentally. but that's the, yeah, yeah. I'm like, because, I mean, it's been done before. Like, oh, countries yeah. have done it, and so that's not so far out there that that can't happen here. Um, so, yeah, I think, it, I think it says a lot about our culture and a lot about um, even probably the media in a way, because, I don't know, when I was a kid, I'm sure if he'd said that on the radio, he would have been socially crucified. But today it's kind of like, that's, it's, it's a normal thing. And that's that's scary to me. Yeah, and that's that, that. I guess that's what I was getting to because even, like you said, this isn't abortion anymore. And and now we say that there really isn't a massive difference between doing it inside and outside, especially at that age. But now we're no longer talking about abortion. The baby has been born, and they're not putting the baby's name on a birth certificate because they're deciding whether they're going to keep it or. And I get. I would have wanted to know. Okay, great. But they're having this conversation. What? Ow. While the baby's being kept comfortable. And uh, they're, they're having this conversation while the baby's being kept comfortable. Comfortable, Okay, great. The mother says, I don't want it. I don't want to give it up for adoption. I want it dead, I guess is what they'd be saying. Now what? You don't feed it and let it starve to death? You, like, what are we talking about here? And, it's, and you said this has happened in other countries, and it, and it has. It's happened here, too. Uh, not specifically, like, mass killing, but, I mean... We the, the U.S. government put something like a million or more than a million Asian people in concentration camps during World War II based on this, you know, Japanic, uh, Japanese panic that they would all attack us because of Japan. They didn't do that to German Americans. Uh, Eisenhower, the guy that that led the the uh, uh, American war effort in Europe, was an, a German American. But Japanese people weren't afforded the same humanity that German people were. Um Slavery. I mean, it, it was for the first uh, what hundred years of of that the or roughly hundred years that the U.S. existed. It was legal to own another person based on the premise that they weren't really people. They were. They might be human, quote unquote, but they just weren't the same. The prevailing science at the time was that black people were structurally different than white people. They were a completely different breed and there was something wrong with them. And, and it, it was, it was the humane thing to do to, you know, 
keep them as slaves and, 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 you know, make sure they didn't, I don't know, be free. And, uh, even uh, just a couple generations ago, they were in, uh, 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 giving uh, syphilis to black men. And then even though they had a cure for syphilis, they were telling them they were giving them a cure just to watch what would happen to them. And the, 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 the founder of, of gynecology was using slave women and torturing them to, uh, to you know, find out about, you know, the, their, their, their reproductive organs. It is not hard for people to categorize another class of people as not really deserving of their lives and easily saying, oh, well, I guess they can die then. Um, Germans during the Third Reich were not some kind of special evil people. They had just been told that Jews and gypsies or Roma or home and homosexuals and people were really just kind of degenerates and not really like people people. And, and they were causing a lot of problems and it was probably best to just put them down. And, uh, you know, we're talking about babies, like the class that we've chosen that we're possibly doing this to, it would be bad enough if it was a, a, a single race or a single culture or whatever, that would be bad enough. We're talking about doing this to everyone who's under a certain age. And where do we go from that? That's scary as hell, right? That is very scary. That is, that's another kind of left thing. I, I, I meant to say that earlier when we first started is, is um, they kind of keep continuing to use the same tactics, like identity politics, but like we, right. we justify um, violence or killing by dehumanizing another person. And so, oh, it's just a fetus. It's not really, oh, it's just a clump of cells. Oh, but they've got Down syndrome. They they really can't really do anything right. in life. You know, like right. that kind of attitude. And I'm like, so life is not, I hate to say it, but based on history, based on um, what progressives say life is not god whether you believe in god or not like this idea of of kind of natural rights like god is uh, value of life is not created by something outside of us it's created right. by what we think is right and i think that's i mean that's the most arrogant thing um, i was talking to someone earlier i'm like it's, it's really arrogant and it's really the pride of of people and to kind of put value on this and but not this because this is inconvenient and uh that is very scary because yeah what if you know what if people under a certain education or if if you become lame if you get in a car accident you can't use your legs anymore yeah like now you kind of now you're moved into this category where you're not as valuable uh, that's a slippery slope it's extremely slippery i i have ms and how many people are going to be like well, you know, something really bad could happen to him, so we need to just put him down now for his own sake. Like, I mean, that, that's this is the territory. Where, I mean, we're a few degrees from that, but if we're saying a baby that that the mother just doesn't want, like that's literally the reason why we're talking about killing this baby. The mother doesn't want the baby. Um, and someone once gave me this uh, extreme example of uh, a baby that was born with his brain outside of its head, and 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 um birthing the baby would would be a risk to the mother's life and i said okay if we're talking a situation like that then the mother and the and if the father's involved the father and the doctor talk about options because now we're talking about a threat to the mother's life the uh, a threat to the baby's you know uh, uh you know the fact that the baby probably won't live very long that is an example where and and you may disagree with me on this where we're talking about a lot of different things other than just 
you know, we're poor and it's going to be, you know, I, I don't want the kid to, to suffer under poverty and, and, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to give the baby up for adoption because then it won't know its real parents. And it's like, okay, but killing it would be better. So I, anyway, I mean, we could, we could agree with each other on this all day long. I usually, like I said, I'll go to the comments, but we could spend four hours on these comments. We, you are an incredibly, I'm going to, I think, bring you on every, every other week um, because you're incredibly popular <laughs> and uh, you're getting some great uh, stuff. So now the good news is 60% of these things are people saying how uh, true, uh, correct you are and, or how beautiful you are. Um, and so let's see what, what's here. Um, taxation is theft. Yes. Um, uh, uh, someone said, what if Trump did blackface? <sighs> um, <laughs> we would, we would test my theory about him being scandal proof, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I was raised on the premise that Har- Harvey West says, uh, I was raised on the premise that I may di- disagree with what you say, but we'll fight for your right to say it. We don't do that now. It's like a fundal- fundamental disrespect for others' beliefs. That's a, that's a good point too. Um, I agree with Harvey. Uh, what's that? I said, I agree with Harvey. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, so someone asked, uh, for your thought. I don't think they care what I think. They asked for your thoughts. Uh, I'm going to say what I think afterwards anyway, because it's my show. Um, uh, what your thoughts are on, uh, I, and I, I I guess maybe I don't have it. Maybe they knew I didn't have anything to say. I haven't even read about it. Do you know anything? Have you read anything about this new green deal that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez put out? And then like, I guess she's pulled it because it's been made fun of so much. Have you heard anything about it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's fun. She's so fun. Uh, I was talking to a friend about her and I said, you know, she's the type of person that you just want to go and hang out with and just listen to what she says. Right. Because I think, I think if she was more relaxed, she'd get summer. <laughs> and I, I hate to say that it's just, she doesn't make any sense. She's super passionate. I was like, man, I wish she was conservative because she'd be Yeah, great. she's, yeah, she's, she's down for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's so she's so energetic. Like, there's a lot of likable things about her. Yeah. Um, the fact that she's young, the fact that she kind of uses kind of young people terminology on social media. Um, she's super passionate, and um, and then you know, we've got to get rid of cow farts or get rid of planes and use trains. I'm just like, oh, honey, no. You know, the world's gonna. Yeah, she's she's it, like you can tell. I think we take her under that. their wing and say, "Hey, you know, let's mentor this person." <laughs> she so far, like nobody tried to mentor her, or either she didn't look for it, she just decided to run. Uh, right. That Green Deal is hilarious. Like, Spike, you have to go and read it. It's the the funniest thing. If you want a good laugh right before you go to sleep tonight, read that. Just go go watch Ben Shapiro talk about it or something like that or read right. the, federal, the federal about it. And the, the, they use the the picture they used was like unicorns and rainbows and stuff like that. It's, <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing ever. Like she, I can't remember what percentage, but like uh, they say that her green deal would take away like a huge chunk of the American economy. Oh, of course. Of yeah. So she's she's an idealist is what she is, which I think most of us young people are. And but the the idea or the the hope is that she would move away from the just being an, an idealist and be a little bit more practical. She, or at least have have 
Yeah. So the one thing I caught from it, I, and I agree with you on that. I think she needs to maybe inject some reality into her thoughts. Um, she said we had 12 years before the world's going to end unless we do these things. And one of the things she wants to do is to start laying down train rails, which take de- decades. If you know the history of the trains in this country or anywhere, it's a, it's a multi-decade process, which is why we've moved away from it. Because no one, we're not going to sit here and try to figure out what the traffic's going to be like in 30 years. And we don't do it anymore. Um, and she wanted to, I think it was either ban or greatly restrict plane travel and i'm like man you know what if i have 12 years to to live i'm gonna travel a lot on planes actually like i don't like i'm not waiting for the train for the last year um so yeah i will i will need to read it um let's see what else we have here um uh sheila jones says he was about to do the moonwalk if his wife hadn't oh uh northam yeah if his wife hadn't stopped him so we talked about this on the show me and matt talked about this on the muddied waters of freedom if he had, first of all, we think he's probably pretty good at it. We think he's good at the moonwalk because if you watch that video, um, he was excited. He was like, you know, he'd been getting beaten up for two days now. And then someone was like asking him to moonwalk and he kind of looked down at the floor and he's like, yeah, I got this. And then like, right as he was ready to start getting into, into that, cause you got to kind of position yourself for it. Right. You got to get centered. And, um, <laughs> and his wife was like, no, that wouldn't be appropriate. And he was like, my wife said that wouldn't be appropriate. And it was like his whole, like, I felt, I kind of felt bad for the guy in that. I know this was the guy that was just talking about murdering babies, but in that moment I kind of felt for him because I've had those times where people are like, Hey, do this. And then my wife's like, no, that's stupid. I'm like, my wife said that was stupid. I can't do that. Um, and, and I, I bet he's good when all this is over and he, cause I think he's only limited to one term anyway. When all this is over, that man needs to moonwalk. Uh, uh, Sheila, I, 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 I definitely want to see that. Um, There's someone from the NAACP in the area in uh, in uh, Virginia said that he grew up with black kids, and so he she's like he's a good dancer. She was talking to Stephen Crowder, who was pretending to be black, uh, oh, okay. and kind of prank calling her. Oh, she's okay. Like, yeah, he's a good dancer. He grew up around black people, so he probably can moonwalk. I believe it. I, I you can tell when someone's excited about something and they know that they're good at it. And they were like, can you moonwalk? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, can you do it now? And he's like, and he's like looking at the floor. He's like, yeah, I, 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 can, I can do that now. And, 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 and it was like, he's like, finally, after two days of everyone, you know, uh, you know, beating me up in, in, in my political career, I can do it finally. And, um, and, and, and then his wife was like, saved his political career. Cause that would almost assuredly end it. Um, although, you know, if it was really good, like if he could really do it really good and then do the spin and the kick and shimmon and all that. Like if he could do it really, really well, that might actually save him. So his wife might have screwed him there. I don't we don't know. Um let's see what else we got here. Um Michael Turks says, um real men uh, put on their clothes on first, then apply lotion to the remaining visible parts. Okay. Um uh Jacob LaBelle says I'd vote for either of y'all. Um thank you, Jacob. Um, okay. What else here? Um, uh, Michael Turks asked us what our favorite, uh, chicken place was. And, uh, and, uh, Sheila said Bojangles. Um, uh, I would go, I don't, Michael, and, and you know this about me, Mike. Um, we don't, I don't do the, the chain, uh, chicken places. And if I did, it would be Maryland's or maybe Popeye's. Um, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing the, the, the rest of that. 
Um, by the way, anyone who doesn't know, uh, Michael Turks is black, so I think he's allowed to ask me what kind of chicken I want. Um, uh, Shane Sweeney says, Japanic is quite possibly the funniest thing I've ever heard. Spike, you win the internet. <laughs> um, thank you. I, it's, I think it was actually a term, Japanic. Um, uh, uh, go in Zynga. I think, or, or go Zynga, I'm sorry. I'm reading it phonetically. Um, what else here? Uh, I agree. Our culture is repressive, is regressive, shocking, but not terribly surprising. That's yeah. Um, okay. Here's it. So someone has asked what my next thing is here. So now that we have talked about moonwalking and the, the really important stuff, um, uh, like moonwalking and blackface, it's clearly the most important things in American politics right now. Um, I want to get your thoughts on Trump. Were you, uh, an early supporter of his? Were you one of those where it was like, well, he's the last one left, so I guess we'll go with him? Um, were you, you know, where where did you fall on the, do you even consider yourself a supporter of his necessarily? Or wh- where would you say you fell on, on that when it comes to, to the president? So originally I wanted Ted Cruz very okay. badly. Um, and then the first time I heard him speak, I can't remember what he said, but I remember thinking, Hmm. That's nothing I haven't said here in my living room. He's talking like everyday people talk. Right. And I remember him, I remember thinking that specifically and I I didn't think he'd last long to be honest with you. And then uh when he was the last one, um I said, "Okay, I'm voting for him." And then now I'm, I'm a Trump supporter. I'm not a Trump worshipper. Like, right. I call him Trump worshipper people like he can do no wrong. Yeah, yeah. And they're supposed to be like, "Oh, he he um he's he's doing that because he he has something planned." I'm like, do you, is he a mastermind that <laughs> like, is he, is he that smart? Like he does something and it's like, oh no, he, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just you wait and see. And I'm like, okay, I guess I will. I I don't think he's that. I don't think he's a mastermind. Like a, like <laughs> it's almost like he's a criminal mastermind, but a, a good guy or something like that. Right. right like right. the guy on the TV that can think his way through everything, even though he's in a right. mind like that. And, and he's, he's not that guy. Um, I think he's smart. I think he knows how to to use a crowd. I mean, even how he had those uh, ladies in white cheering for him at the State of the Union. I mean, they pretty much stood in a standing ovation. And they showed who they really were because they didn't stand for human trafficking or abortion or all of those other things. But anyway. They stood um, for them, I right? Them. Yeah, they stand. Yeah, they, they stood for them themselves. It's like, these are all the I'm not going to lie. But um, I, I, I like Trump. I don't mind that he's rude. I really, really don't. I think most people are kind of rude, but we respect those people because at least we know what they actually think. And that's right. kind of how I feel about Trump. Um, and then he, he shows his hand too. So it's not like it's a secret that he's doing these things or he he wants to get MS-13 out or whatever, whatever. So that's right. my stance. Yeah, that's I, I And I respect that stance. I respect any stance. I, I respect people's stances. Um, but I respect that stance. Um, the, uh, my take on Trump is that I get that a lot. People are like, you know, he's rude and I'm like, okay. And they're like, you know, he says mean things. And I'm like, buddy, the, again, I'm an anarchist. The job of the president is to oversee your being robbed and to enforce a massive list of laws under, for lack of a better word, gunpoint and to oversee making sure you comply with that or caging you or killing you. So his job is to, his job is almost like this giant 
you know, if, if you look at, you know, how government works as an anarchist or even as a really extreme libertarian, his job is to rob all of us and to use that money to fund our subjugation and the mass murder of people around the world, which is exactly what Obama did and Bush and, and Clinton and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. He also talks rudely. Like, okay... In the scale, it, it, it's like how we were talking about blackface versus talking about murdering children, right? Like, uh-huh. okay, he said a bad word or he said, um, he talked about a woman in a way you didn't think was respectful or he said the grab him by the pussy thing or whatever. He, he said something you don't like you think is disrespectful. In my mind, what his actual job is, which is the same thing that Obama did. You know, Obama killed more children than any other Peace Prize winner in history. Um, uh, in my mind, I, I kind of prefer the guy who doesn't, the guy who actually makes people dislike what he's doing. I kind of almost prefer that. Cause I'm like, well, at least, so like another thing that happened was that guy that got killed by the Saudis, he was a Turk and he was killed in the Saudi embassy. And there was all this, well, what's the U S going to do? And Trump said, we're not going to do anything about it. We, we, we don't like that he did that, but we also have, you know, a lot of strategic deals with the Saudi government. We get to buy a lot of oil from them. They buy a lot of weapons from us. We're not going to do anything about it. And people were outraged that he said this. They couldn't believe he would say such a thing. And then they talk about how there was another similar thing where Obama, the Saudis did something and Obama was very stern about what they did and said a very, you know, very beautiful speech about how it was wrong that what they did. And then he didn't do anything about it. He continued the various deals that the U.S. government and the Saudi government have. In other words, they both did the same thing, but Trump was honest about the fact that they weren't going to actually do anything about it. And I'm like, okay, A, this makes you hate government more, so yay for me. And and B, he's actually being honest. My favorite picture in White House history ever is Donald Trump standing there with a bunch of chicken nuggets and Big Macs and and he's just sitting there smiling and he has his arms out like he's doing this great thing. And I'm like, this is the best, this in my mind, and, and maybe you disagree, this in my mind was like, it, it's like they've created this whole temple to the idea of the government, the state being this, you know, big, larger than life thing, these beautiful buildings and almost, almost like a cult figure, the rule of law. And now here you have this guy, this orange spray, spray painted guy with his, you know, whatever he does with his hair, just standing there in the middle of this, you know, reality tycoon, reality TV tycoon, standing in the middle of it with fast food, with this big smile on his face. And I'm like, if you ever needed a picture to show that this is all just a bunch of crap, here's Donald Trump showing it for you. And I really, I, I really, me personally, I, I love what he is doing to the concept of that this government is actually more important than like our individual lives. Is that... Did any of what I just say make sense or was I just ranting for a while? <laughs> I think so. I think I caught some of it. He, <laughs> because he didn't, like, he didn't intern in his 20s and then um, become a staffer and then run for office right. himself. He doesn't care about all of that. Like, exactly. Like, he doesn't care about any of it. Yeah. So, like, even with the shutdown, where I work, people were like, cannot believe this you know most of them are liberal they just cannot believe that he has allowed the government to be shut down and i'm like i think it's great keep <laughs> it shut care. down yeah i, I was yeah still 
taking my taxes out, so who cares? <laughs> you know, I think it will like, and then people are like, oh, we're, we're going to pretend to be really, really outraged, and then that'll make him quit doing what he's doing. And he's like, no, we'll be shut down longer if this continues. And I'm Ex- like, exactly, yeah. Quit. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. The thing is, is that the things that he does, he's like, this isn't good for the people. So why, why are we going to continue doing it? And I know, like, you know, the healthcare and all that jazz, a lot of stuff he hasn't been able to do in the wall or whatever. But all of his reasoning is not, it seems at least, it's not, oh, let me do something good for my legacy. It's more like, okay, but this is hurting a bunch of black people, illegal immigration. This is hurting Hispanic Americans. Why are we continuing to do this again? You know, why don't we go ahead and fix it now? So I like that he's very, um, he's about fixing stuff, getting things done, and then just being done with it. And we don't have to worry about it anymore. That's what I like about him. I, you know, we want bosses like that. So why not have, not saying he's the boss. I know you're, you don't like the way that sounds. Just saying, we like people like that in our everyday lives. <laughs> he's the executive of the U.S. federal government. So this is another thing that, that I love that he's, so we have been abused with this idea. How far do I want to get into this? Okay, I'll do it. We've all been kind of subjected to this Stockholm Syndrome idea that our captors are actually our servants, right? Like, so this person who is robbing you and telling you what to do and hiring people to drive around in cars to remind you that you have to listen to them and they'll use whatever level of force is necessary to bring you into compliance. They're actually your servants, right? Like, you, they're actually serving you. They're, they're, they're public servants. And a brief look at what they're actually doing and a brief step back of and looking back and seeing like how hard they fight to hold on to their power and who they're willing to hurt to, to stay in power and who they're willing to hurt while they're in power immediately disabuses anyone that's paying attention of the idea that these people are our servants. A public servant is a firefighter or an EMS worker or some would say a cop. I wouldn't. Uh, but a, 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 a someone who's serving the public, someone who works at a hospital, a fr- uh, you know, uh, someone who's in the ER is a first responder. Someone, you know, uh, is or is a public servant. In my mind, they are serving the public. A politician is not serving the public. Donald Trump doesn't pretend to be a public servant, and so at times he'll say things like "I'm doing this for you" or whatever. But very quickly he embraces the idea of like I'm flying on Air Force One and I'm in the Cadillac and I'm the boss, and that's how he's always acted. And I, I like that it's kind of forcing people to see like, okay, he is not, he's not your public servant, but neither was Obama. Like none of these people are actually serving you. But anyway, um, I want to get your thoughts because the State of the Union just happened. Um, we, we watched it. Guys, if, if anyone has a spare uh, two hours to watch me and Matt Wright uh, react to the live to the state of the union, be sure to check that video out. Um, the actual state of the union parts about halfway through, um, we kind of pre-gamed it and then did that. And it's pretty much two libertarians sitting there, um, uh, chuckling. And, um, it's, it, if you're going to watch the state of the union, watch it that way. It's the most entertaining way to watch it. I wanted to get your thoughts on the state of the union because as someone who sees how people react to politicians, I think if the job of the state of the union is to get, as many voters to agree with you as possible. I think he did an amazing job. I think that it's going to reflect in new polling that he got the majority. And I I would say 80% of what he said, I rolled my eyes because I'm an anarchist, but 
he I, his job was not to try to convince me of anything, right? His job was to convince you and other voters that his agenda is the right agenda. And I think he did an amazing job at it. And I think he master manipulated the other side. He had them completely doing everything. Like it was like he would say, okay, now do this. And they would do it. It was, it was, he, it, he entirely played the entire audience on both sides. What, do, what were your thoughts on the state of the union? How did you walk away from it? What were your thoughts thinking after watching it? I thought it was terrific. I loved it. Um, I even liked the folks that he had in as guests especially when it was the, the prison reform and the, the first act thing. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, here's two living, breathing people right here in front of us that, yeah. that their lives are changed. And a, a lot of the folks that were in that build or in that room could have done something a long time ago. And they never did a thing. So I'm just like, I, I love that. I love having the World War II people there. I, ha- I have to interrupt you. I have to interrupt you real quick. <laughs> They didn't not, not only a lot of them didn't do anything. A lot of them are responsible for them being in prison in the first place. So if you look at politicians, if you look at any of those people that have been in there the last 15, 20, 30 or more years, they are the, they are exactly the reason that that guy was in prison or that, that that lady, I forget their names, uh, that that they were in prison. So it was even worse. They were their captors and it was, you know, Trump after hearing about their case and, and, and working to to actually get some uh, prison reform done is, is the reason that they're free now um, or that they're out of prison now. So it's, so I I just wanted to interrupt you that they not only didn't do anything, they actually are responsible for the fact that they were in prison in the first place, but I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, that I liked the idea of having those World War II vets there because the other side calls Trump and his supporters Nazis and then we have two guys who uh, fought actual Nazis um, <laughs> I didn't even get liked, that you're right though yeah so I saw someone say that on Facebook and I was like yeah because yeah. I mean I, I just I that love that generation anyway like the greatest generation like the ultimate sacrifice they made and all that jazz like I kind of romanticized that that era but then uh, even the, the ladies in white and how people were making memes of them looking like the KKK, uh, that, was the, that was so funny to me. And then they, they stand up and they're, they're clapping for themselves. And I was texting like three people at one time during this. And I'm like, so wait a minute. We don't clap about stopping human trafficking. Right. Uh, but we do clap because we're women in, the, in Congress. Like yeah. that even matters, for the, first of all. Like it, like it even and matters. No, I know. Exactly. It doesn't matter. They're high-fiving one another. Even some of the men who are like like beta males, they're like, we're talking about you guys. This is great. This, yeah, you guys. I'm like, oh, come on. You didn't clap for some of the things that you should have clapped for. Right. But you clapped for yourselves, and then you clapped for your, your colleagues. It was, it was revealing because, I mean, you were just kind of hitting on it. Is, is they, they like being elites, and that's why they continue oh, yeah. to run for office even though they're old as dirt. I mean, they zoomed in on some people, and I think uh, Mitch McConnell was one of them, and I was like, he needs to retire immediately. Like, he looked like a corpse. And I hate to say it, but he's so old, but they like they just like being there because they, they have all those privileges. Right. Another thing is uh, Nancy Pelosi and the... Yeah, what was that? I don't know. I thought maybe it was um, the speech... <laughs> that's what I, I was. So, I was first. I was like, is it, is it blank paper? She just kind of distract herself. And it was really big. But, like it wasn't legal size paper. It was like these big. I thought they were protest signs. I thought we actually said this. I was like, is she about to get up and hold up like a 
uh, impeach Trump sign or something, which if she had right. done that, most entertaining thing ever. If she had done, I was like, oh my gosh, I hope that that's like a, a code pink sign or something. Like she's about right. to hold up, you know, you know, hands off my vagina or whatever. Like whatever she was going to, yeah. like I, I was so <laughs> desperately hoping that that was going to be, because that would have, forget this, the fact that that would have completely played into Trump's whole narrative about that mm-hmm. all they can do is yell at him. Um, mm-hmm. I just would have been, incre- that that and Northam uh, moonwalking. If Democrats want to get my, my uh, 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 want me to like them more, dance and, and, and signs. Um, but uh, yeah, what was that? I, was, did they ever find I out what that was? was it- Not that I know of. I, I, I thought that maybe it was the speech itself. And she was kind of like, when is this over? And just kind of to mark her spot or where he was. Um, but what was really funny is that when she gets super uncomfortable or super angry, she starts to play with her teeth. And she's like doing this, especially when he was, he, he would hit certain points and she would mess with her teeth. And you could see her looking at her colleagues who were sitting out in the front. Like, yeah, how, it was almost like, how, how are we going to respond to what he just said? And I'm like, oh. right, right, right. Said something about the union is strong and she she shakes her head like yeah this. she shook her head when she yeah when he said that yeah she i i was i was right because i was going to write something on the state of the union i never got around to it but i'm writing notes and i'm writing everything that they clap for and everything that they stay silent for um, right it was very revealing i i like i said i haven't been politically involved very involved very long and so uh i, I saw the the last state of the union and now this one and I was like, I don't know if this is a normal thing for us to just not clap about good things and like humans living and um, <laughs> humans being and alive. Yeah, like unemployment is low for, for blacks, but that's the people you claim to advocate for. But they, they right. just sit there and I'm like, what? Unemployment is low for Hispanics. What? But you women are congresswomen. And they're like, yes, we are. Yes, we sure are. It's, it's like they're so selfish and arrogant. I guess all of them in the room kind of are, or most of them are, but uh, the Democrats really showed showed themselves. Yeah. So that's and and to to let you know contextually, that is kind of a common thing with State of the Unions is that uh, or States of the Union, how that the address is that the uh, the side that supports the president will agree with it, will get you know clap every time they say something, and the other side will only clap. When it's like unifying stuff, like they'll say, America's a great country. And, oh, yes, yeah, America's a great, very pedantic, very st- stupid. I-, I honestly think Trump didn't even want to do the address at first because it's like, yeah. why are we doing this? Like, what what happens mm-hmm. here? But one of the things that, so uh, someone once asked me, do I think Trump is stupid or smart? And there are different types of intelligence. Um, Donald Trump is probably not someone that you would want to sit down with and have a long conversation about political philosophy and, and foundational concepts and, and, and things like that. I don't think that's anything that interests him, and I don't think he'd, he'd really uh, have much to, to, to add to that. I don't think he's a terribly cerebral person. I don't think he's a bookworm or anything like that. Um, he has a, and, uh, and this is something that a lot of smart people don't have, he has a very innate understanding uh, instinctual understanding of how people are going to respond to him, um, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, his his basically he's a salesman. Like his 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 career is in selling stuff, including now as a politician, is to sell himself and his ideas um, or the things he wants to do. Uh, but but more than that, selling himself. 
his his biggest policy is if you have me in charge, we're going to win because I'm a winner. Um, and that spe- a lot of people are like, okay, then I'll just choose you because you say you're a winner or whatever. Um, he has an amazing ability to understand how people will, will respond to him. Most importantly, not just the people who agree with him or that are inclined to agree with him. Most importantly, and we saw this with the speech, he knows how people who hate him will respond. And so he has been an expert in manipulating them for like four years now. He's just been like, I'm going to say this and they're going to do this and then bam, we're going to hit him with this. Or we're just going to let him flail and keep saying that. Um, and so I'm trying to come up with an example. Um well, remember right before the shutdown, he, uh, Mike Pence, um, Chuck Schumer, and Nancy were sitting in the uh, Oval Office, and he they started kind of debating in front of the media. Yeah, I think that's a good example. Yeah, 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 and that's yeah. and that and and it made so. One thing that did that I saw was, they tried to paint this narrative that Trump and or uh, Pelosi and Schumer and the Democrats are you know, calm and smart and, 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 you know, intelligent and Trump is just flailing um, because when he right. talks, he's, he's kind of disjointed and he's all, and I, I relate to that cause I'm kind of disjointed too. Um, but that he kind of is all over the place um, in that argument that they had, it showed that they were all just arguing with each other. And so it kind of brought mm-hmm. them down to, to what they tried to say was his level. So I, I, I did appreciate that. Um, I'm trying to think of, of an example where like, um, Oh, every time, there are only a handful of people on the planet that are able to completely decide what the conversation is going to be moving forward just by saying mm-hmm. something. And he's one of them. Mm-hmm. And so you have the media and the people on the left who are like, we need to stop letting Donald Trump, uh, uh, you know, you know, we need to stop going by what Trump is saying. We need to stop letting him dominate the conversation. And then seconds later, he can tweet something that has nothing to do with what anyone's been talking about. And, those exact people who were just saying we need to we need to move past Trump, we need to move on from Trump, they immediately are like, we need to spend the next six days talking about nonstop what Trump just said, why we disagree with it. But it's it's we have to talk about what Trump just said. And so he completely he sucks all of the air out of the room for anyone else that was trying to say anything. And and it's it's why I personally think he's gonna he's gonna get reelected. So um one yeah. so I, I guess I would um Oh no! I, well, let me get your thoughts on that. Would you? Would you say like? Can you think of anyone offhand that um, that is better at getting their 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 opponents to, I guess, do whatever they want them to? Um, I cannot. Maybe we have one in each generation, one in each era. Right. <laughs> Trump is that one for us. Uh, I can't think of anybody. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, offhand. I, I can't. I can't think of of anyone. Um. So, I. I think we've gone through everything, and I. I. I, uh, I really appreciate your time here. Uh, you've been a great guest. I hope to. I hope that I can have you on in the future. Um. Before we go. Um. And thank you again for coming on, uh, Zinga. Before we go, I want to give you the chance to give us your final thoughts, anything that you think that we didn't talk about, anything that you want to talk about, anything in the future, anything you want to plug, anything, anything, whatever you want to talk about, the floor is yours. Um, I will say I do like what Trump said about um, this, this nation will never be a socialist country. Um, Cause that seems to be a, a trend with younger people. Um, and he said, um, 
we were we are born free and we'll stay free. I really really like that. I also would add that that's um it's conservatism. I mean, it's about what you won't like, but it's about ordered liberty, kind of uh, balance between freedom and order, and like um, people still have to have self control, but the government is not supposed to come and tell them how to how to live their lives, which I, I that kind of makes me a libertarian a little bit because conservatives or people say conservatives want to um, run their run their private lives and what they do in the bedroom and stuff like right, that. Right, 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 right. Um, but uh, another thing I want to add just before we go is that mm-hmm. for 2020, I just to encourage people who maybe work in uh, local politics to maybe get this conversation going in their, their local party is that I think we need Republicans with guts again, or I don't know if we ever had it. I think we probably, we probably did, but um, especially now that we can't have uh, these politically correct type of people, we need people who would just, who are just going to tell the truth and not be a, a Trump, but they have to be a little bit tougher. And I think we have to run people on the local level, the, on the federal level. We have to run people that have a lot of guts, um, and, and people who who are willing to tell the truth. And also these parties, I, I know here in, in, in my county, there's a lot of infighting. And if, if we wanna win in 2020 on the local level, then the infighting has to stop and egos need to be put aside. And we need to put people in office, pro- properly vet them, make sure they're not doing <laughs> black favor, and, and make sure they haven't raped anyone in the past. <laughs> raped and, anyone. Tra- train them, get them philosophically sound, and and send them on their way, and get some professionals around them. So those are the things that I've really been thinking about a lot, along with some of the other things we've talked about. Okay, cool. So so if you if if you're listening, Republican, Libertarian, whatever, you you want to get your candidates out there. They need to be a fighter, which I agree with. I think this this age of, um, uh, so I, I, are you familiar with the Overton window? A little bit. Okay, so the Overton window, uh, and Tom Woods calls it the three by five card of allowable opinion. So if you figure that, if a, if you say that a room has all of the ideas that you could possibly have about a, a, a concept, about an idea, the Overton window is the window that that people that popular culture and media have decided is you if you stay within that then your opinion is allowed so you're allowed a little bit of divergence but if you have so for example like what the tax rate should be i'm all the way over here saying it should be zero percent there should be no taxes or government so that's as far as it gets that way over here is uh you know people who say everything should be taxed and everything should be collectivized and we should live in a in a you know socialist state structures whatever um and then in the middle what's considered the overton window is whether it should be let's say 39% 39% or 42% or something like that. So that's the Overton window. I think that for far too long, politicians, especially on the right or in the libertarian side, the non-progressive side, have tried to argue and, and try to exist within that window, even though their ideas aren't within that window. Trump was like, no, I don't. that window's stupid. I'm going to smash this wall in and say whatever I want. And I think that if not his necessarily his style or even his policies, but that idea of, no, this is what I have to say, and I'm going to say why I agree with it. So you need fighters. They have to have not raped anyone. They need yes, to have please. never been in blackface 
or um, you know, dressed as Hitler. There's some vetting, just some basic vetting. Like, you know, have they ever praised, uh, you know, the Holocaust or something like that, or denied the Holocaust? Yeah. Praised or denied? You know, did, if the, the yeah. only opinion that they need to have had on the Holocaust is that it was not a good thing. That's as or slavery or like you know, you need you need them that those are those are some so get that and get some good uh, candidates and be sure to check out Liberty Cadre. I think it is Cadre. Um, they their website is libertycadre.com. Um, and they're, uh, if you look up the Liberty Cadre on uh, Facebook, they're on there as well. And we have that in the show notes. Now, are you guys on YouTube or anything else? Or it's, I think it was just Facebook and the website, right? Or Yeah, not, no YouTube yet. Okay. They're, they're going to get a YouTube though. YouTube's coming. Um, and uh, and uh, be sure to check them out uh, everywhere there. And um, uh, if you, uh, Zynga, thank you again for coming on. Uh, I, I hope you had a good time. I had a blast having you on. Um, if you can just stick around for me for with me for a minute, I'm going to talk to you during the outro uh, while that's going. But uh, guys, thank you so much again for tuning in to watch me and my guest Zynga Johnson on uh, this episode of My Fellow Americans. Uh, be sure to tune in. Uh, oh no, this isn't Wednesday; it's Friday. Uh, Shabbat Shalom, Happy Sabbath to all my Sabbath people, um, and uh, be sure to check us out uh, this coming Tuesday uh, on the Muddied Waters of Freedom where uh, Matt and I will be, Matt Wright and I will be parsing through the week's events uh, that as they happen. And then on, what? who's my guest next week? Oh, uh, Wednesday, uh, next Wednesday, my usual time uh, on My Fellow Americans uh, at 8 p.m. My guest will be Wayne W.B. Bradley. Uh, anyone who's followed uh, 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 the Republicanism um, we got a lot of black. We're doing a lot of black Republicans the next few weeks. Um, and and, uh, uh, and so Wayne uh, W. B. Bradley is going to be on. Wayne Bradley hashtag Wayne Strong uh, is going to be on. And then on Thursday, I have don't do not remember who Matt is going to have on his show on the the Writers Block. You're not going to you're not going to believe who's on there. It's going to be amazing. Um, but uh, but thank you again uh, for tuning in. We will see you next week. And God bless you.
the chalk outline Find out how, but you never know why It ain't even make it to the news at nine It ain't even make it to the news at nine That's my sister, mother, father, brother, son That's one of mine All these tears, I close my eyes Open up the only fine I'm in line There's a pointless murder happening all the time Either lose your life or mine Caught up in their first design That ain't how it started, nah Why?